You're listening up your game, a podcast all about sports. I'm Travis Harrison, and I'm all alone. My best friend Ben Weir can't be with me on this episode because he's sick. So prayers up for him right now. So you guys are stuck with just me, but I'm going to do my best. I'm actually going to combine the college football week 11 recap and the NFL week 10 recap. So those will both be on this same podcast. So we'll start with college and they'll move over the NFL. Starting off where we do every week with the number one team in the country, the Georgia Bulldogs behind three touchdowns from Stenson to beat Mississippi State 45-19. The Bulldogs remain undefeated and won the East Division of the SEC, securing a spot in the SEC Championship to take on West Division winner LSU in Atlanta. This was a dominating game, especially on the offensive side of the ball, as Georgia put up 468 yards of total offense. Number two, Ohio State looked a lot more like themselves this week as they beat Indiana 56-14. Stroud looked like the Heisman leader, throwing just under 300 yards and slinging five touchdown passes. Mayan Williams was on his way to a dominant day, rushing for 147 yards and a touchdown before leaving in the first half with an injury. Williams has been carrying the load for the Buckeyes, who have been without running back Trayvon Williams. Hayden came in and rushed for a career-high 102 yards and a touchdown, and even wide receiver Xavier Johnson got in on the running back duties, rushing for a 71-yard touchdown in the fourth. To be that deep at the running back position is a great problem to have for the Buckeyes, but I'm sure Coach Day and Ohio State would love to have their one-two punch of Williams and Williams back, especially for the big Michigan game coming up in just over a week. Speaking of number three Michigan, the Wolverines easily took care of business, beating lowly Nebraska 34-3. The Wolverines continue to keep pace with the Buckeyes as they both look to go into that huge rivalry game undefeated. Miller rushed for 138 yards, including a 75-yard touchdown run, and number 4, TCU, beat number 18, Texas, 17-10. It wasn't pretty, but the Horned Frogs did enough to win and secure a spot in the Big 12 title game. Of course, as happy as TCU is about that, they have their sights set higher on the national championship. Hooker had a great bounce-back game going 25-35 a 35 for 355 yards and three touchdowns as number 5 Tennessee easily beat Missouri 66-24. The Vols made sure they didn't fall any further in the rankings after losing last week to the Bulldogs. Lurking in that fifth spot definitely gives them a real chance to sneak back into the college football playoff. Number 6 Oregon had their playoff hopes dashed as number 25 Washington came into town and left with a big upset victory, 37-34. Henry got some redemption on this day, kicking a game-winning field goal with 51 seconds left. Back in 2018, he had a chance to beat Oregon and missed a 37-yarder at the end of regulation. Oregon would go on to win that game by 3 in overtime. Always nice to see things come full circle and a player get another chance to be the hero for their team. Perkins had himself a flu game. He finished with two forced fumbles, four sacks, and eight tackles to help number 7 LSU beat Arkansas 13-10 to keep the Tigers' playoff hopes alive. Williams led USC to another dominating performance as they beat Colorado 55-17 to remain in the playoff mix. Number 8 USC has been my buddy Ben's dark horse all season and are definitely a team I wouldn't want to face, especially down the stretch here. Young tossed three touchdowns and the number nine Crimson Tide rallied past number 11 Old Miss. Coach Saban wasn't sure which Alabama team would show up, especially after the disappointing loss a week prior to LSU. But with the defending Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young, there was no need to worry. Number 10 Clemson won their 39th straight home game 
after defeating Louisville 31-16. This was a good win for the Tigers, especially after suffering their first loss of the season last week at the hands of the Fighting Irish. Unranked Arizona snapped an eight-game road losing streak against ranked teams as they upset number 12 UCLA 34-28. In the playoff rankings, UCLA is actually ninth. This was the first win for Arizona against a top 10 team since 2014, so they were certainly overdue for a victory. Thomas ran for 180 yards and two touchdowns as number 13 Utah easily beat Stanford 42-7. Number 14 Penn State skunked Maryland 30-0. This is a game if you're the Nittany Lions you need to win and they did just that. May continued his strong play, thrown for a ridiculous 448 yards and tossing three touchdowns, helping number 15 North Carolina win a close one 36-34 against pesky Wake Forest. Moorhead hadn't gotten a lot of time to practice executing a two-minute offense, but he came through in a big way for Boston College as he threw a touchdown pass with 14 seconds remaining to give his team a 21-20 win over number 16 NC State. This was Boston College's first win over a top 25 team in eight years. Number 25, UCF, jumped out to a big lead and then hung on for dear life as number 17, Tulane, charged back but fell short as the Knights won 38-31. Howard came in after Martinez got hurt but didn't miss a beat, throwing three touchdowns as number 19, Kansas State, smashed Baylor 31-3. Never easy losing your starting quarterback, but props to Howard for coming in and leading his team to a good Big 12 win. Pine was very efficient for the Irish, going 17 of 21 for 269 yards and four touchdowns, also accounting for a rushing touchdown. He did have one interception. With what might end up being the catch of the year, at least in the conversation, Lindsey reached around his defender and secured the ball against his back. A true display of concentration and athleticism. The Irish needed every one of those touchdowns to hold off a Navy team who shut out Notre Dame in the second half and scored 19 unanswered but fell just a little bit short, 35-32. Number 21, Illinois, went down for the second week in a row, falling this time to unranked Purdue, 31-24. Also, like last week, Fighting Illini lost at home, which is something you really shouldn't do. I'm sad Ben isn't here to talk about this game, as both of his teams squared off with number 23, Florida State, easily demolishing Syracuse, 38-3. Jordan Travis, quarterback of the Seminoles, threw for three scores and ran for another. He's been someone I've been very impressed with this season. I've jokingly said it's because of his name, my brother's name, and my name combined. So watch out. But anyways, Florida State with a good win there over Syracuse. Vanderbilt stunned number 24, Kentucky 24-21, which helped the Commanders snap a 26-game losing streak against SEC teams. Kentucky had a chance late in the fourth after Vanderbilt scored to take the lead, but it was a quick four plays, turnover on downs, and ball game over. Now to read the college football playoff rankings. Not a whole lot of movement up front. Georgia remains number one, 10-0. Ohio State, number two at 10-0. Michigan, number three at 10-0. And TCU, also at 10-0. Tennessee lurking there in the fifth spot at 9-1. LSU moved up a spot. They're at sixth, 8-2. USC is 7th at 9-1. They moved up a spot as well. Alabama up a spot up to 8th. Clemson up a spot to ninth, And Utah up three spots to 10th. There's your top 10 in the college football playoff rankings. Can't move anybody up front. I mean, they all did what they were supposed to do. They all won their games. You got the two Big Ten teams in there with Ohio State and Michigan. Obviously, that game lurking next weekend. 
I'm assuming the winner is going to stay in there. Loser is going to get bounced out. That's going to leave room for Tennessee, LSU, possibly even USC, depending on what they're doing. So definitely still a lot of things up for grabs there in those top four spots. But it'll be interesting to see here coming down the stretch what happens. Our Heisman leaders after this week, you've got C.J. Stroud of Ohio State in first, in control. Right behind him, nipping at his heels, is Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. Then you've got Drake May from North Carolina. The first non-quarterback on the list, Blake Corum from Michigan. And then two more quarterbacks in Bo Nix from Oregon and Caleb Williams from USC. So quarterback heavy, as most of the time is the case for the Heisman race with the one running back in there from Michigan. So obviously still some time here down the stretch. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to Stroud. Hooker and May, that's kind of my guess there. More so Stroud and Hooker. And then it's really just going to come down to these last few weeks here. Obviously, see how Stroud performs in the Michigan game. And then if they do win that game, then in the Big Ten Championship. So, interested to see how that all plays out. Starting with Thursday night's game, Foreman led the way with 130 yards and a touchdown. While also leading his team, the Panthers, to a good win against the pesky Atlanta Falcons 25-15. This is an embarrassing loss for a Falcons team who's fighting with Tampa for a real chance to win the NFC South. This loss obviously hurts their cause, but lucky for them, there are still several games left in the season. The first game ever played in Germany featured the Seattle Seahawks and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Both quarterbacks were efficient. Smith out threw Brady for 17 yards. Each had two touchdowns, but Brady had one interception. Despite the pick, it was the Bucs coming away with the win 21-16. This was Tampa's second win in a row and gave them sole possession of first place in their division and back to 500 at 5-5. Five and five. The Seahawks have been one of the big surprises this season and still sit at 6-4 and four despite the loss. Speaking of two-game winning streaks, the Detroit Lions, yes. Those Detroit Lions have won two in a row and both have come against division rivals with the most recent this past Sunday. Justin Fields did everything he could for Chicago, throwing for two scores, rushing for two more, along with 147 yards on only 13 carries. Unfortunately, he threw a costly interception in the final period, aiding in the Lions scoring 21 points in the fourth to rally past the Bears. Tannehill finally returned for the Titans and managed to throw two touchdowns as Tennessee beat the Denver Broncos 17-10. Denver was actually up at halftime, but was held scoreless in the second half, and the Titans scored 10 unanswered to win this one. Denver is just one of those teams we've been talking about all season long, just been struggling. Obviously, they had high hopes coming in, bringing Russell Wilson in there, and it has not panned out well for them. Mahomes threw for 331 yards and four touchdowns as his Chiefs beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 27-17. Mahomes did have an interception in this one, but thankfully it didn't hurt his team. Jaguars have one of the best defenses in the league, but Kansas City and specifically Mahomes made them look like just another ordinary team. Barkley did what the Giants need him to do, rushing for 152 yards on 35 carries and a touchdown. Jones only threw 17 passes, but two of those passes went for touchdowns, and he took care of the ball, playing the entire game without a turnover. The G-Men took down the terrible Houston Texans 24-16. The MVP chance rained down on Tua, who had another impressive outing going 25 of 32 for 285 yards and three touchdowns as the Miami Dolphins continued their winning ways, beating the Cleveland Browns easily 39-17. 
Miami finds themselves on top of their division at 7-3. and three. In a game featuring two struggling teams, the Pittsburgh Steelers got the best of the New Orleans Saints 20-10. to 10. The Steelers' defense, who has dealt with several injuries this season, got a much-needed shot in the arm as T.J. Watt returned from a torn pectoral muscle injury. He finished with only four tackles, but it was his presence alone down on the field that made the biggest impact and helped the rest of his defense feed off that excited energy to be back. In a game that featured two backup quarterbacks, Colt McCoy led the Arizona Cardinals to a 27-17 win over the Los Angeles Rams. To a team that's already been struggling mightily this year, the last thing they needed was Matthew Stafford out on concussion protocol. The Rams might go down as one of the biggest disappointments when it comes to a defending Super Bowl champion. They aren't the same team on either side of the ball. Obviously, losing Von Miller on defense was a huge hit, and they have no other offense outside of Cooper Cup. To think someone can step in out of high school, it's a lunacy. It's I mean, of course it's embarrassing. It is one of the most disrespectful things I've ever seen in my entire life. And quite honestly, it's so disrespectful. If I was there, I'd be thinking, well, we don't care about winning. Well, I think this is going to be ugly. I think this is a chance for the Raiders to get right. I think I they think blow them out. Because the thing is, you literally can bet, put money down against the Colts and, and, <laughs> and Jeff Saturday. And minus six and a half is not enough. So let's go Raiders this weekend. That audio clip was just a few of the media puppets who shared their feelings and opinions this past week of the Colts hiring interim head coach Jeff Saturday. Interim meaning not the official head coach, but we need you to fill in and try to save our season that's about to go down the toilet. Coach Cowher called it a disgrace that the Colts hired Saturday. The same man who was hired at the young age of 34 in his hometown and given the keys to the kingdom for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He also asked the question why Fox or Bradley weren't given the coaching job. Maybe because they just got there this year and don't know anyone. Maybe the fact that the defense is playing okay, but it's not like it's been great. I think owner Jim Ursay thought to himself, why don't I bring in a guy who played here for 13 seasons, who poured his blood, sweat, and tears into the horseshoe, who puked on this field, who's a five-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion, who knows this building, this organization, and loves this city. A man by the name of Jeff Saturday, who's a winner, who will bring energy and accountability to the Indianapolis Colts. A week later, all of those questions were answered with a huge win in Las Vegas as the Colts beat the Raiders 25-20 for a season-saving win. Parks Frazier was given control of the offense and called a tremendous game. It was a well-balanced running and passing attack. I thought his calling right before the half was huge, saving a crucial timeout and getting us in field goal range to come away with three points after the Raiders had just scored a touchdown themselves and had taken the momentum. The first big decision Saturday made was reinstating Matt Ryan as the starting quarterback, a move that paid off big time. Ryan was 21 of 28 for 222 yards, passed for a touchdown, and rushed for another the highlight of the day for Ryan came on a 39-yard run, which happened to be his longest of his career. Manny Ice, obviously not known for his speed, showed some wheels on this play and even cut back across an oncoming defender, gathering up an extra 14 yards. I truthfully expected him to just go out of bounds there, but was pleasantly surprised. This one came down to two huge third and fourth down stops as the Colts offenders played great defense 
didn't draw a flag, and sealed the game for Indy, giving Saturday his first win as a head coach. Saturday was given the game ball after the game by Jim Ursay, but was quick to say everyone would be getting game balls for the total team effort that everyone put in, especially during a difficult week that saw their coach of five years fired. I said last week I wanted to see if Saturday could rejuvenate our offensive line, which has clearly been our Achilles heel all season long. He called them out, and they answered the call. Protecting Matt Ryan after giving up nine sacks the week before and helping Jonathan Taylor have one of his most productive games of the season, rushing for 147 yards and a touchdown. A chunk of that coming on a 66-yard scamper that saw Taylor turn on the afterburners and take it to the house. This great game allowed Jonathan Taylor to receive AFC Offensive Player of the Week honors. After the game, I made sure to text my sister-in-law, Robin, who's a diehard Raiders fan. I tried not to rub it in too much, but still broke the cardinal rule as she told me you don't bring up a loss to Goffs for at least a week. I apologize to her, and I apologize to you now, Robin. I promised her I'd be sure to give her a nice shout-out on the podcast, so thanks so much for tuning in, Robin. I appreciate your support. When I saw the Bills leading the Vikings 27-10, I was a little surprised Minnesota wasn't putting up more of a fight, but also wasn't that surprised because Buffalo's been doing this all season. The Vikings decided they weren't going to go down without a fight and stormed all the way back, forced overtime, and won this game 33-30 in the extra period. Both quarterbacks threw two picks, but it was Allens in overtime that proved most costly and sealed the win for the Vikings. This game had everything you could ask for, including two one-handed catches. Diggs made an impressive one for Buffalo, but it was Jefferson's ridiculous acrobatic grab that wowed everyone watching in person and on TV. It was such a great catch, the Hall of Fame took his elbow pad and gloves he was wearing when he made the catch. I know I'm going to offend some people, and if my best friend Ben was on the podcast with me, he might be ready to fight me for what I'm about to say. But Jefferson had a lot of help with that catch. Not to take away anything, because I already said it was incredible. But if you watch the replay, the defender also had two hands on it and kept his hands on it all the way until it got to the ground which obviously helped Jefferson be able to hang on to it despite the high level of difficulty. Still, it was a great catch and an even greater come-from-behind win for the Vikings, who have done so now five times this season when trailing with two and a half minutes or less. So keep counting the Vikings out if you dare, but this is a team who continues to impress week after week. The Dallas Cowboys were well in control up 14 early in the fourth, but then Dak decided to throw a couple of interceptions, allowing the Packers to come back tie the game, and force overtime. Rodgers was 14 of 20 for 224 yards and three touchdowns, all of which went to Christian Watson, who even decided to do a backflip after one of them. I like that Aaron kept going back to him despite a couple of drops early on. Let's be honest, it isn't like Rodgers has a whole lot of options. He hasn't had a whole lot of options all season long. What worked well in this game for the pack was the ground and pound as Jones rushed for 138 yards on 24 carries and had one touchdown. Rodgers got the Packers into field goal range in overtime, and Mason Crosby knocked it through the uprights, giving the Packers a 31-28 win and spoiling the return of coach Mike McCarthy. 49ers' stingy defense got it done again, this time beating the Chargers 22-16. Jimmy G won the game despite not throwing a touchdown. He's actually 10-2 in the regular season and playoffs in games where he doesn't throw a touchdown. Explain that one. Herbert struggled throwing for less than 200 yards with one touchdown and one interception. The Philadelphia Eagles have been flying high all season long, but that flight suddenly had a crash landing as the Washington Commanders handed the Eagles their first loss of the season, 32-21. 
Didn't help that Philly had four turnovers, including three fumbles, which is just as many fumbles as they've had all season long. The Eagles were 10.5-point favorites in this one, especially playing at home. Taylor Hinkie and the Commanders had other plans. Speaking of Hinkie, he decided to run around and then take a knee on third down, which would have forced a punt and let the Eagles have the ball back with over a minute left. The problem is two Eagles defenders didn't notice him kneeling and were already trying to tackle him. The double late hit after the quarterback gave himself up resulted in immediate flags that cost the Eagles lots of precious time on the clock. By the time they got it back, there was only five seconds left, and after a few laterals, the ball found its way back at the goal line, and an exclamation point touchdown was made by the commanders. Well, despite it just being me, I hope you guys have enjoyed the college football week 11 recap and NFL week 10 recap here on up your game, a podcast all about sports. Travis Harrison signing off.